0: Enjoy the message.
1: This morning, we're so uh, privileged to be able to come before you to give the word of God uh, this morning, and it's been in my heart this whole month and uh, the life group that I'm leading. um, We decided to get stuck in one verse, and that's in Galatians 5.22. I wish to let you know that the Word of God is living, it's breathing, and it has application for our lives today. If you take the Word of God and and look at it as a living, breathing, Spirit-filled Word, you will take it in your heart. And I wish to share with you this morning Galatians chapter 5. Verses twenty-two. Welcome those of you who are online. Uh, we welcome you to you today, Spring Online. As you know, our pastor's uh, been out; he's been preaching. He's been on vacation last week, and with the help of the Lord, we're going to be uh, given the Word this day. Amen. Galatians chapter five, verses twenty-two. The Word of God reads it so. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for your written word as it is applied in our hearts this day. Holy Spirit, you take reign of me, Lord God. You speak to our hearts Open our hearts and our minds so that we may receive the word of God with gladness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This morning we're going to be speaking on the fruit of the Spirit. When we seek the presence of God with humility and faith, we can experience true joy and peace from living according to God's will. That is one of the main questions I get asked. What is God's will for my life? And it is here based on Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. It seems like a very large list, nine things that we should do. Or shall I say, the Bible doesn't measure us in anything else but in the level of maturity. The Bible doesn't ask us to level ourself according to our salvation because we're saved. The only level that God asks us to reach in Christianity is a level of maturity. Amen? Some of us maybe have been serving the Lord for 20, 30 years, and maybe you've been serving the Lord for one week, two weeks. Um, It is not by years that you've been serving the Lord, or the knowledge you've had, or of what... You have invested in your time and talent. What God is looking for is your maturity level in Christ. Amen? And Galatians 5.22 gives us nine fruit. Now, the Greek word fruit refers to a natural living thing. The word of God is living. We are also living. We are as a tree Psalmist David says, we are as a tree planted by the rivers of the water. Imagine that. That's a constant flow of water. But what is expected of us is a product of the Holy Spirit, which is called a fruit. There are nine things, but the Bible calls it a singular and it calls it fruit. And that was a little interesting because I, I i love English and I love grammar and I, I love to study the Word of God, but I also use rules of grammatical, um, grammatical rules, and, and that was interesting because it at, least, at least nine, but it calls it a fruit. You would think the Bible says fruits, right? We, we normally say, oh, the fruits of the Spirit, but the Bible calls it a fruit, but then it divides it in nine, so I thought that was Interesting. What made me to believe in reading this verse is that we are all born in Christ on the day we received the Lord in our, in our hearts. We were born with the potential to be fully matured, grown in Christ with the fruit necessary to honor him and glorify him. Amen. Yes. You see, you may not get there. You're not probably even there yet, but you will get there. Just because you're missing some of these fruit doesn't mean you're not a Christian. You know, I get a lot of people say, you know, I, I messed up. I, I, you know, I'm not there. Uh, I, I've, I've done this and, and uh, I've done that. And, and how can I call myself a Christian? You are a Christian. You're just a tree. You might be a little tree. It might be a little lemon tree. You know, uh, every Mexican household has to have a lemon tree, right? For whatever reason, I have no idea. We all have lemon trees. Well, I know why. There's the pozole, there's the menudo, there's the caldos, and you got you need lemons for whatever reason. But, you know, that little tree, you know, we all, we all mama planted or dad planted a lemon tree in our backyard. Uh, eventually, it's going to give fruit, right? It's going to take time. It's going to grow. We need to add some water. We need to make a circle around it. We need to put some posts. We need to tell the kids, don't play soccer near this tree because you're going to break it down, you know. But eventually, it will grow to show the fruit necessary for it to be used and to be a blessing for those around it. Amen? These fruits are not independent characters of Christianity. All of us will one day demonstrate all the fruit necessary to glorify him. And all this fruit is a unified whole for his honor and for his glory. Amen? As we go as Christians, these characteristics will eventually manifest in our lives. We just need time to grow. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, I need some time to grow. As a gardener needs to pull out the weeds, you know, the, the roses in January, if you know, you got to prune the roses in January because in March they start sprouting out beautiful roses. It's painful, it's bare, it, it, it doesn't look right, but to, uh, to be a beautiful rose garden, you gotta start cutting. You gotta start adding nutrients. You gotta start adding water. You gotta start taking time to take care of it for you to have a beautiful rose and, or, or whatever that you're growing. It takes time. And the Holy Spirit, which is in all of us, will help us to grow. To remove all other sinful desires that hinder our growth in God. If we allow God to fully take control of our life and tell him, I, I am just a tree and I want to bear fruit. I want to grow. Would you do whatever you got to do, God, so that I may grow? If you need to take things away from me, just do it. I want to grow. If this is necessary for me to hurt, just give me the strength to go through it. Sometimes we want to not... I go through pain and difficulties, but through pain and difficulty, uh, there's growth. And if you've had a child, you've known the growing pains, right, where the muscles begin to expand and the, the body starts growing. And they're little kids and their head is bigger than their body. And they should be and they, they look so weird, and, but they're growing and they're manifesting to be a beautiful child, and to be an amazing adult. And it all takes time. You're not given the potential for receiving your salvation. That's already yours. You are given the potential to grow, to manifest the fruit that already God has deposited in your heart to be a blessing for everyone else. Amen? You know what a fruit is? You're a tree, but a fruit is not for yourself. A fruit is for someone else to pick at and be blessed by what you have gone through. Did Did you hear me? The fruit is not for you. It's for someone else to be blessed. But what you had to go through, whatever you had to go through, for them to be blessed. So whatever you're going through, believe me, it's not just for you. It's for someone else. You will be a blessing. That fruit you will eventually see. In Jesus' name, amen. And, of course, the Bible tells us that our end goal is to be like him. Amen. Amen. Paul uses nine characteristics to describe the fruit of the Spirit in the book of Galatians. Now, if you have an outline, uh, we're, we're going to go through um, some of the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm going to try to re-subject myself. I, I, sometimes I, I forget I'm a preacher and, and then I'm a teacher. So I'm going to try to hold still and just, just get all the notes for you. The first one is the fruit of of what? Of love. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. If there's hatred in your heart, you don't have God. If you can't see someone eye to eye, there's something missing in you. If you come to church and you turn the corner, oh, I see sister so-and-so. I'm going to go around the corner. I don't want to sit next to her. You know, Believe me, I've seen some people go like this and then, oh, they turn. I don't know why, but you, know. You, you, you make that decision. There should not be any fruit of hatred. Have you heard of that term, you know, one bad apple just ruins the whole batch? That's true. One of the first fruit that we are to work on is the fruit of love. True biblical love is a choice, not a feeling. I made the decision to love. I need to make that decision to love. I may not get anything in return from you, but I made a decision to love you. You see, my salvation didn't depend on what I can do for God. My salvation depended on the fact that he chose me from where I was at, the worst of the worst. I don't even know why you saved me. You ask yourself that question. Why did he save you? But you know what? He made a choice to love you, to redeem you, to take you from where you're at to where you're at right now, and to God be the honor and the glory. Amen? And who am I to make a choice of who am I going to love, who am I not going to love? You know, there's no cliques in Christianity. There's no the poor, the rich, the haves and the have-nots. We are all a body in Christ. And if you can't love your brother in Christ, do we expect you to love those who do not know Christ? There's a fruit that needs to bear in your heart right now. It deliberately expresses itself in loving ways. To be deliberate. To always seek the welfare of others that is the true meaning of love when you ex- give without expecting anything in return that's the biggest thing that we deal with because we want to feel loved if then i'll love you but that's not what love is love is you giving it without it expecting anything in return and that's the toughest thing especially in some of the families that we've been raised in we're there hasn't been no emotion. There hasn't been no, no a pat on the back, and everything's just been uh, uh, clockwork. You get up at 6 in the morning, go to school, come back home, have dinner, go to bed, and it's just, there's, no, there's no intimacy. There's no, there's no choice of loving each other, of taking time with each other. And as we grow older, well, I'm not a psychologist, but there's, there's that fruit of love that need to work. we need to work on. And that can only be done by the work of the Holy Spirit. Because naturally we don't love. It doesn't come natural for us. Because we are self-serving. Always looking for our own. What can I get out of this? What advantage can I take out of this person? What what can I take out of this situation? That's the natural person. We're not naturally we don't love. Because the the first first three things of the fruit of the spirit has to come from God. Love. Joy. Peace, those are things that don't generate from you. Those are three things that generate from God. And the other things that that God is asking you to do, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Now that's what God expects from you to give to others. Amen? And what God expects from us, that this fruit to be manifested in our life. The next one is the fruit of joy. Romans 15, 13 tells us, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See that? The fruit of joy, it's not so much for yourself but it's an overflowing joy. Others around you will be joyful. They will ask, well, what's what's with you? What, What happened to you? What is going on in your life? I got joy, amen? Because the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Not in fleeting physical circumstances and not in your bank account and not your surroundings. Not even your friends bring you joy. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. See, I don't look to you for joy. If I did, I'd be sorely disappointed. You shouldn't look at me either for joy. You shouldn't look at your circumstances and see I'm joyful and I'm happy. No, sir, no, ma'am. Your joy, first and foremost, needs to come from the Lord. Amen. And everything else will be easier and tolerable to live with. That's right. That man you decided to marry, well, you decided to marry him. Not our fault. But you can have joy. You can have love because it doesn't come from him. It comes from the Lord. Amen. It's not based on your bank account. Man, Friday comes along and we're already, no one wants to cook dinner. Then next Friday comes along, there's no money in the bank, you know. (laughs) What's in the fridge? And we're all sad, and, you know, I had that week. We went to vacation, and all the money, I had nothing else. And my wife said, uh, like my mama used to say, hay frijoles en la casa. There's beans at home. And, uh, you know, you feel down. It's like, man, I really want to go out. I want a steak. But but you know what? We were so happy, you know, My my daughter, I don't know how she made chocolate covered strawberries and, and I made a dish and we were all we all ate. It's amazing what's in the fridge if you open it. <laughs> right? All the mama say, Amen. But there was joy. You know, my, my son he eats cereal. He's fine. It, there's no other food, cereal, we're good. But there's joy. There's joy when you don't see it. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Not based on what's around you and what kind of car you drive. Believe me, that car is going to end up in a dumpster one day. But the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen? The world's joy cannot fulfill you. The world passes in all its passions. And I know it is Spanish. El mundo pasa y sus concupiscencias Pero el que hace la voluntad de Dios, este permanece para siempre. Amen. I'm sorry. I learned all my verses in Spanish. The next fruit is the fruit of peace. Isaiah 26.3 reminds us, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. That's right. Our mind should be our trust in God. Now, it's not escape from reality. You know, say, I'm not going to go to work because, you know, well, my mind set on God. And No, you need to go to work. But our peace comes that we trust in God. The world cannot give it because the world does not know the one who is peace. And that is Jesus Christ. When he came to the house where the disciples were at, he says, peace upon you. One of his favorite words that he used was peace. a vosotros. We can reject the chaos of the world and embrace God's peace. Let me invite you to, to join with me in Philippians chapter four, verses four through nine. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. I don't know why he had to repeat it. Rejoice. Verse 5 says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. See, I ain't got time to be with drama. I ain't got time for, for your so many issues going around. The Lord is coming. I said the Lord is coming. You know, whatever you're dealing with right now, I believe it's going to pass. Either you die or it won't pass. One or the other. The one thing that's for sure is you're going to die and we're going to be with the Lord. And here you are worrying. You rather worry about your problems or worry about the Lord is coming? I rather worry about that the Lord is coming. Amen. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You notice the order? I I really like to take time. Notice the order. It's telling you, don't be anxious about anything. He says, don't worry. He says, but in every situation, by what? Prayer and petition, with what? With thanksgiving. See, there's an order first. He he wants you, don't worry about it. Uh, uh, He says, uh, um, prayer, tell me about it. Give thanksgiving. And then at the end, he's telling you to do what? Present your request to God. You know why he does that? Because once you start thanking God, all your other requests, like, man, that really wasn't much. And when you're anxious about certain things, and, and, and first first thing, when we pray, we tell we God what we want, what we need. And, and we got this big laundry list we got for God. And then way at the end, it says, oh, thank you, Jesus. It's like I heard a brother say, Lord, I got this plan, uh, and I want you to bless my plans, and this is what I'm going to do, this and that, and that. I can imagine the Lord says, am I supposed to just sign off on your plans? And that's it? As if I'm your waiter, or as if I'm waiting on you to tell me? No. First of all, he's telling you, don't worry about it, about anything. In most situations, what does the Bible say? In every situation. By prayer, petition, with what? Is it up there? With thanksgiving. Everybody say thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. That's one thing we lack the most to be thankful for. Lord God, I thank you for this. This, I thank you for that. I think, once we get a spirit of thanksgiving, most of our prayer petitions will be smaller and smaller. And you may not at the end say you don't need anything because you're gonna realize. That you shouldn't be worried about it. One of the things that worry and bring anxiety is that we want control over our future, our present, and the things that's gonna happen tomorrow. You're set up at 6 a.m. at noon, this is gonna happen. One o'clock, and you're gonna take your break. You, you're planned out. Something messes up your schedule and anxiety comes in because you're concerned. You got everything planned out. Something happens and you get anxious. But the Bible says, Let me take care of it. Don't worry about anything. Amen. Say amen to that. Amen. Verse 7, it says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 7 is telling you, you don't understand what you're going to be going through. Because you won't, and you don't need to understand most of the stuff that you are going through. Did you get that? You you don't really need to know and understand the things that you are going through. But God has everything in control. Now, I only got like one or two eight-mans in there. I, I need to hit home what I'm saying with this is that you don't need to understand it you just got to trust in God you just got to say God I know that you're working around me and that's all that matters you may not like it but he's still working around you you may not understand it but he's still working around you above all in all I understood one thing about God that he always gets the honor and the glory He always gets the honor and the glory. Amen. I always look at him and say, God, thank you for letting me go through this. Thank you for taking this person away from me. Thank you for leading me out of this situation. I know you got the best intentions for me. Amen. It's not going to go your way, and it shouldn't go your way. It's going to transcend your understanding. But in all this, he's asking you to guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, my brothers, in verse 8, it says, Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. The next fruit i like to speak upon is the fruit of patience. And, oh, this is going to hit home. <laughs> There's a little song my, my wife taught me, but I'm not going to sing it. It's, a, it's about a patient song, and it's only in Spanish. If you were in my life group, I, 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 I sang it to you, but I'm not going to sing it. Amen. My wife's telling me, don't do it. Now. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Christians have everything we need to be patient because we have the Holy Spirit living in us, longing to display his character within us. He's asking us, you got to be humble and gentle. Now, that's really tough for the fellas, right? You know, I want, and that's my way. I can't translate that in English, sorry. You know, but a spirit of gentleness A spirit of humbleness, bearing with one another. We weren't the perfect child growing up, and then we want a perfect child. I mean, ask yourself, the next time your child does something crazy, what did I do when I was growing up? Oh, I was like, oh, man, I did worse. Did my kids hear? Oh, yeah, they're back there. Oh, no. (laughs) But we have to be humble and gentle, a gentle heart, a gentle hand, a gentle grasp, a gentle word, instead of screaming all the time, right? My mama, mama would scream. She had seven kids, and she would name all seven children for whatever reason, and then at the end, she would say, tu animal. <laughs> Even the dog, I guess. I don't know. But I, I learned. I learned them. I learned to be gentle to be humble. Yeah, Mano Avila, I do scream. You know, I do get impatient, but God is still working with me. Amen. How many God is still working in your heart? Amen? Amen. That's right. Christians have everything we need to be patient because we have the Holy Spirit. Patient people put up and put up with circumstances and other people even when we're severely tried. Patient people display endurance. Long-suffering and perseverance. I put that word long-suffering for a reason, and I grew up in the King James Version, and it's the old English. And I was marrying a couple, and I'll tell them, well, I'm trying to to translate. okay. Love, I was saying in Corinthians, uh, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is long-suffering. That's that's an old word, and, and I paused there, and I told the couple's, uh, do you know what long suffering means? And oh, look at me, all beautiful. Like, oh, they're cute. And and I said, it's going to be long, and there's going to be suffering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I'm always going to say that to the couples. But it is true. It's going to be long. There's going to be suffering. But trouble don't last always. I said, trouble don't last always. When there's a storm cloud coming, there's rain come, there's a calm after the storm. What you do to demonstrate fruitfulness in that situation will demonstrate the blessing you leave around those you love and those around you. The next fruit I wish to speak upon is faithfulness. Matthew 25, 21. This verse says, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a lot of things. Or well, what does it say? With a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. To be faithful is to be reliable or trustworthy. For the Christian, this is faithfulness specifically to the Savior who redeemed us that's that's what we need today faithfulness when your word says one thing and you do another that doesn't say much of you there's there's something about your word you don't need a contract for your word if you're going to say i'm going to be there you got to be there you know the mexican hour is an hour later you know if you show up at a party at the time they actually say it's going to start, you know what they're going to do? They're going to have you set up the party. They're going to have you sweep. They're going to have you mob. They're going to have you stir the pot. You know, so nobody wants to get there early, supposedly. But no, there's something about faith. And that's, I, that's a small thing. But there's something about faithfulness. God is only asking you to be faithful in the small things. If you're faithful in the small things, he will put you in charge of many things so you might think "Well, what I'm doing or the small thing I'm doing you may maybe you want to do greater things but God is asking you to first and foremost be faithful in that one thing he's given to you right now what is it what is the responsibility that you have been given right now and you might seem it's insignificant or small but that's the measure of what God is going to give you in the many things in heaven isn't that amazing you be faithful in that small thing, and God will give you in charge of many things. How many can say amen to that? Amen? amen? The next fruit is of gentleness or meekness. Philippians 4, 5 says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. It's interesting, gentleness. It, it's, it's an uncommon word we use nowadays, right? Though everyone wants to be, you know, headstrong. Everyone wants to be proud. Everyone wants to be a leader. No one wants to say, I don't want to be gentle. I want to be meek. Because we associate that with weakness. We, we say of a child that's that always getting upset and always get mad. Uh, we, he say he has a strong character. We always say that, you know, but that's not true. It's a weak character. Because the child is unable to control its emotion, it's not a strong character. It's a weak character. You see how opposite things are in the world now. You know, a child gets mad, and he's oh yeah, he's like his dad. He has a strong character. He does not have a strong character. He has a weak character. There's something about gentleness and meekness. It's a confidence in knowing that I am, I know who I am, and I don't need to prove myself to nobody. I know in the God that I serve, I don't need to show strength. I don't need to uh, wear a really tight shirt to show my muscles. Everyone thinks I'm really strong. No, I don't need none of that. (laughs) Don't turn to your neighbor. There's a few brothers that got tight shirts (laughs) here. But there's something about gentleness and meekness that God honors. And the world looks at as weakness. We've been putting up a lot of covers and A lot of walls and borders because we've been hurt. I understand. We've been hurt. But you see, if we put that hurt in God's hands, he will take it from us. The responsibility and the feelings that go behind the hurt. So you can forgive, but you cannot be free sometimes of the hurt that person has done to you. God wants you to forgive, but he also wants you to be free of that. And knowing that God has forgiven you. And that you're free even if you've forgiven that person for the hurt that they've done in your life. Now, that's not in my notes, And I'm speaking to somebody right now. It's really tough. It's really difficult to put yourself in a position to love that person that's been so hurtful. And I'm straying now. I'm thanking the Holy Spirit for this. Even if it comes to your parents that have been very difficult and rough, the Bible tells you, You may not feel any love for them, but you know what the Bible says? says Honor your parents. You may not have a lovey-dovey feeling for for the difficult things they put you through, but the Bible says honor your your father and honor your mother. What does that mean? You put them in the place where they need to be, an honorable position. You may not have feel the emotion that you wanted to have from them, but you have children. You have grandchildren. You're, you're an aunt. You're an uncle. You can demonstrate what you haven't been given and show that fruit that God can work in your life. And break that chain, that chain of machismo, of, of pride in your heart. Not willing to be able to open up and allow anyone to connect with you. You take off right away from church because you just don't want to touch nobody. Huh? You just want to get to church and take off. You just, you're disconnected. You probably, been, you probably forgave, but you're probably not free. And God is asking you to come to his freedom in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you close your eyes right now? Heavenly Father, if this word has been for you, you need freedom right now. God is asking you to be open up your heart for a spirit of gentleness and meekness. You know what that means? That you're letting God take control of your emotion. You're letting God take control of your heart. Of all your pain and all your hurting and all your suffering. He knows it. He's seen it. And you might feel that, God, why did you allow me to go through this? I don't, I don't know. But one thing I do know, that you could be a blessing to someone else who's going through that same thing. I don't know why you had to go through it, but you can be free. And that fruit of pain, that fruit of suffering, can be a blessing for someone else in Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a hand. Praise, amen. The last fruit is the fruit of self-control. Proverbs 25, 28 says, like a city whose walls are broken, through whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self control. Those of us with the indwelling Holy Spirit have the strength to control our sinful desires, to say no to our flesh. Self-control gives us the power to say yes to the Spirit of God. Why do I say this in Galatians chapter 5? And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with this passion and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, and even so envying one another. The fruit of self-control. If you're blessed, I should be happy that God has blessed you. Because I know there's a blessing for me too. If you're moving forward, I should be happy that you're moving forward because I know God is working in our lives. If you are being economically blessed, I should praise God for that because I know that God blesses a cheerful giver. There should be no conceitedness in my heart. I shouldn't think even more of you than than you should think of I am. I need you like you need me. Did you hear that? I need you like you need me. There's no level... Of Christianity there's only levels of maturity and most of us we're working to get there it's taken a long time but God is not through whatever you're going through and whatever you're facing today your level of maturity will help you go through and you will see victory in Jesus name
0: we hope you enjoyed this message but before you go We want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but He didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life.